Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Good morning, church. It's such, such a pleasure to be here um, speaking to you and sharing the message again this morning. It's been some weeks and I'm excited just to see uh, what God has in store from you know this passage for each one of us and, and for us as a body. So really glad that you are uh, joining us for service again as Tim has shared. And if you're ready, grab your Bibles with you or your, you know your phone if that's where you're referring to. And we're going to jump right into this passage that we are speaking from today. Uh, and I'm going to start off uh, with a prayer for us. God, we just thank you as a community, as a church this morning that we can come and worship you like this. Uh, though it's, you know, it's sort of spread out in different homes and spaces. And yet we know that, God, you are uh, knitting our hearts together and in you we are one. And so we pray that even as we jump into scripture for this morning, God, you tutor our hearts that you uh, speak to us and, and till the soil, the ground uh, in our hearts so that we uh, are responsive and uh, filled with faith, uh, filled with joy and hope. Uh, even in the days ahead. God, we look to you in this time. We commit this time of the word into your hands. And we pray that you speak uh, beyond the voice, uh, uh, my voice, that you speak right into our hearts, each of us, uh, through your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, so we're going to look at Mark 4, 35 to 41 this morning. And I'm going to ask that you read aloud so that you can hear your own voice wherever you're sitting so that it helps us engage in the scripture together. Okay, can we do that? So we'll start from Mark 4, 35 to 41. Whatever version, just read out loud so you can hear yourself wherever you are, uh, wherever you're seated. Okay, 35, let's go. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. Verse 36, And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Verse 39, And he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now this passage, maybe many of us are familiar with and some of us uh, who were at the inductive Bible study workshop, you would recall uh, one of the brief moments that we kind of looked at this passage and made some observations. Uh, and this morning I felt led to share from this, not because of that, but just uh, just came to the surface as I was just asking God, like, you know, uh, what do you want to highlight to us? What do you have as a message for us as, as your people? And so this morning, let's look at this. And first of all, I'm going to just break down just real quick the context of the passage that we just 
just read. What is the literary context of this uh, passage, right? You will see in chapter 4, verse 1, uh, it tells us that Jesus was already in this boat that we just read about, okay? And then in chapter 5, verse 1, it tells us where after that they got into the boat where they went to. They went to this area called the Gerasenes, right? Uh, and so chapter 4, verse 1 tells us he's already in that boat for a long time. And chapter 5 is one, Gerasenes. And so you'll see the whole, even like, you know, what preceded this chapter uh, before verse 35 that we just read. Jesus had just taught a bunch of parables. And, 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 and you get that sense of like, it's been a really long day of teaching, right? And so verse 35 tells us, On that day when the evening came, then he said to them, Let's cross to the other side. Right. And so what is the relationship in terms of we're still on the context? What uh, what are the relationships or the people that we see in this passage? So Jesus so far, right, in, in Mark chapter four, before this chapter, Jesus, uh, you know, the accounts of how Jesus has healed many, uh, the leper, the paralytic, the man with the withered hand, he's casted out many demons. And so in chapter one, verse 32, we read they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one who had authority and then verse 27 of chapter 1 says this which sounds a little familiar in this passage for us this morning they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying what is this a new teaching with authority he commands even unclean spirits and they obey him so in chapter 3 he appoints the 12 and then now him in chapter 4 he has spent the, the entire day teaching and then he's in this boat so Jesus is, you know, by training a carpenter, while some of his disciples in the boat with him uh, are pretty experienced fishermen. Okay, verse 36, it tells us from what we just read that there were other boats with them, right? Other little boats. Who are they? Uh, they're probably those that were part of the, like, you know, the crowd that gathered to listen to his teaching. And so perhaps they were maybe craving for like, oh, is he going to teach some more and go to the other side? We want more of Jesus. So they got into their boats as well and, and, and went along with them. And, and it tells us, uh, so I checked out the Passion Translation for verse 36, and it says, they shoved off from shore with him. Like, so they pushed off uh, from the shore together with Jesus as he had been teaching from the same boat. So you gather that Jesus was very lightly tired, right? I mean, He's God, he's fully man too, and he's feeling physically tired. He's worn out from a whole day of teaching. And so the disciples were like, okay, you know, we got this. They're handling it, they're handling the boat. Uh, so it's like Jesus chill time, right? So geographically, what is the context here, right? Uh, and so the historian Josephus says that at any one time, there would be probably around 300 boats here, right here on the sea. Sometimes it's still and clear like glass, right? But storms quickly form, and, and then to subside, it takes hours, like it takes a long time. So you see in verse 37 how suddenly, how quickly the storms came, right? And it's often, uh, you, know, you know, reported where there are like 10 to 12 feet uh, waves in the Sea of Galilee. So this is the context of which we see the storm that Jesus and his disciples encountered. Now, what, what took place, so beyond, we've looked at the context, what took place in terms of their conversation, the words that are spoken, if you've got your pen, your highlighter, or, you know, your uh, uh, phone, uh, in, your, in your mobile phone, uh, your Bible app, or whatever, you can check out and highlight the words that were spoken in their conversation. Verse 35 tells us, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Now, interestingly, he says, let us, right? He's not saying... Um, 
you go across or let me go across. He's saying let us. So uh, he's saying let's go together. And, and he's not just saying let's go, let's go across to the other side. So you get a sense that um, Jesus uh, wasn't intending to not get to the other side. Right? He's saying let's go across. Very certain, there's a certainty to that, to this statement. So verse 41 though, at the end of the passage that we read, is that they were filled with fear and said, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And, and so I want to suggest that I think that is exactly what Jesus wanted to bring them to. Um, uh, I think most likely he knew the storm was coming. I think most likely he knew there was a storm that was brewing, most likely. Um, but he knew that they would get to the other side and uh, that the process of how or what they experienced along in that process before they reached the destination to the other side was very important, right? So look at verse 36, and it tells us, leaving the crowd, then they took him in the boat just as he was, as in like he was already there. The other boats were with him, and 37, then a great windstorm arose, and the waves broke into the boat so that it was so filled up, it was sinking already, very quick. So verse 38, he was in the stern, what was Jesus doing? He was asleep on the cushion, okay, and they woke him, the cushion. And so I like, kind of thought this interesting, I checked out, and uh, it's the only cushion like, on, the, on the boat, and, and Jesus got it. Well, I think he deserved it, right? He's like done the whole day of teaching. And he woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care? I think the storm caught the disciples off guard, and, and you know, it's just like how it's been really rainy lately, and sometimes I try to, you know, be prepared, dress appropriately or whatever, I, I still get caught off guard many times, right? And I think they caught, they were caught off guard, as experienced uh, as they were as, as some fishermen. And, and this, the phrase, prepare for a rainy day, sometimes it just, you know, we can't be fully prepared. Jesus wasn't surprised though, even though he's not as experienced at sea as some of them, he wasn't surprised. The question then I found myself asking is, why did he bring them straight into the storm. Uh, and I want to suggest that, uh, think of it as instructive. Like it was an instructive process that Jesus needed to bring them into the storm. What do I mean by that? Contrast this with Jonah's storm. Now Jonah was a prophet who was caught in a storm as well, right? Um, and he was sleeping. He was found sleeping. I don't know if there was a pillow, but he was in the storm. Uh, and, and I find the contrast really uh, different in that, like I think in that storm, Jonah experienced a storm as a result of his disobedience. Uh, whereas I think his disciples experienced this storm, ironically, is uh, because they were being obedient. Jesus said, let's go across to the other side. One is corrective, uh, one is instructive. One is to, you know, uh, uh, to admonish and to correct uh, a form of chastening if you will, for Jonah. Uh, so because of his disobedience, God wanted to chasten him and correct him. Whereas for his disciples, it was instructive in that because of their obedience to Jesus, they set across to the other side and uh, then they experience God's tutelage, God's um, coaching, you know, God's uh, lesson, if you will, um, experientially, right? Were the disciples in the storm because of their sin? No. 
Was it because of a mistake? Did they like hear Jesus wrongly? And, and it spoke to me because I think many times we find ourselves in difficult times in our lives and, uh, or someone is in difficulty and we tend to think like, you know, uh, and it's, it's, it is sort of a, a, a way that we are sometimes taught uh, to think, right? Oh, you know, something must have gone wrong. Uh, it must be my mistake, or is it, you know, a sin, or maybe it's a lack of faith because of that. But oftentimes, it's, it's not. It's instructive. It's not corrective. And the hardships and the, and the tough times or the struggles that perhaps uh, you and I go through, oftentimes it's not because of a sin. It's not because of something, although it could be. It could be, but it's not always. It's not always because of an unconfessing, a mistake. Uh, it is simply because... Jesus wanted to be instructive and bring us across to the other side. And so instructive then led me to think about perspective. Because when I think about this phrase, uh, and we're still in verse 38, do you not care? Like who, does, who comes to mind when you hear that phrase? Because the first person I can think of is Martha, right? Mary and Martha in Luke 10. Uh, and, and this is when Martha said to Jesus about her sister sitting at Jesus' feet while she's, she was very anxious, trying to get chores and dinner done and all that stuff. Jesus, do you not care? Was the phrase that came out from her mouth from Luke 10. There, I think there were also many other times when people kind of questioned, like, does Jesus not care? Like the time when Jesus took a long time to get to see his friend Lazarus. There were other times when like, well, you see Jesus doing something like sitting with sinners. Like, wow, you know, does Jesus not care? Does he not care about what he's doing or how people are looking? Uh, but here this verse tells us that he was in the stern asleep and they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care? I think it was, it's not because they woke him up because they, they knew that he was going to calm the storm. You know, you and I have the luxury of reading this passage and uh, we're like, you know, we know this is one of my favorite Bible stories. I know what's going to happen. I know that Jesus is going to calm the storm. But uh, they didn't know that. They didn't know that Jesus was going to do that. They never read this passage of the Bible yet, right? And, and, and so they woke him because, not because they knew he was going to calm the storm, but because of his apparent indifference. Like, Jesus, do you not care? Uh, and, and oftentimes, how do we respond in our storms? And, and we find ourselves uh, saying similarly, you know, God, don't you care? Like, don't, don't you see that I'm in trouble here? Don't you see that I'm hurting here? Uh, like, God, you know, don't you see I've, I've never been in this kind of waters that's this trouble before? And we feel that way. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I know that my perspective or my lack of perspective throws me into a paralysis because uh, I'm, so, uh, I'm so paralyzed by my fear. I'm so paralyzed by just focusing on my problem that I'm, I'm facing right at that moment. Or, or, you know, my perspective gets kind of skewed because I turn into panic instead. And, and, and like the disciples in that storm, they're panicking like, teacher, do you not care? And oftentimes, you know, that's exactly where we are. Like where, when, when we face disruptions uh, or changes that we didn't expect, transitions, they mess you know, with our mental constructs or our need for control or our need for stability and certainty in so many areas, in so many ways. We are just 
so used to kind of like, you know, let me try and preempt and think ahead and, uh, uh, you know, I'm risk averse and let me try and eliminate, you know, foresee this and uh, foresee that and, and count, take this into consideration. And it's all, it's not all bad. I think sometimes though, it, it, it's, it, it's because it's out of our need to, to be certain and have control and to manage, right? All these things, whereas it's a good time to remember that transitions are messy. Life does get chaotic and, and, and storms happen all the time. And so this is experiential learning with Jesus at its best. Jesus didn't say to the disciples, let's go around the sea, uh, let's go over or under, obviously you can't, uh, but let's go through to the other side. Let's go across the storm. And it reminds me also how Jesus himself needed to go to the cross, right? That's like the ultimate stormy turmoil within him, uh, uh, the cup uh, that he had to take. Um, Jesus needed to go to the cross, and God needed to deal with the perspective of Jesus' disciples of what the Messiah ought to be like, uh, you know, what restoring the kingdom should look like. Um, I think of this friend of mine, um, uh, that was close to me, and she, for so many years, struggled to conceive, and uh, you know, really, uh, with her husband, struggled, and they, you know, cried and prayed many times, uh, many times over, uh, and and once when they finally conceived, uh, a few months later, then she had a miscarriage, um, and and the pain that she needed to go through, even in that whole process of just, you know, vacillating between, like, I trust God, but then, like, why, you know, why, uh, why is this happening? Why is it so hard? Why does it have to be me, right? Uh, and, and, and it was, like, just hard for her to ever feel like she's out of the storm. It was one to the other. Uh, but she's now with kids uh, more. I've got two. She's got more. She's now with kids, uh, a happy mom, uh, and she, uh, you know, is fully experiencing uh, uh, the, you know, sort of like a home, hope fulfilled, but uh, different storms that they're facing now. But I'm sharing that because I think many times we, we go through storms in our lives is because it's instructive, okay? It's not always correct, corrective. And so if that's where you are and you know that God is working uh, sort of like a different perspective in you, uh, trust that He is there with you right there in that storm. Uh, and, and even though we struggle perhaps with like a lot of fear of failure, and I have a lot of that, a uh, fear of rejection, you know, by people. Uh, we fear um, taking risks, you know, stepping out uh, in whatever ways, whether it is in particular difficult relationship or stepping out uh, uh, in an area of a passion that you have or being overwhelmed by needs, perhaps, you know. Even the very things that are, are driven by a passion of yours to meet certain needs. And sometimes this can be overwhelming. This can be a storm. And some of us struggle. Um, I definitely do with, you know, parenting wisely uh, in a godly way, in a way that is, you know, filled with grace and truth. That's hard. Uh, we struggle uh, with conflict in our interpersonal relationships or needing direction when you're going through transition or, you know, just... Uh, a loss of direction sometimes, or sometimes with political outcomes or situations that we see around the world. These are storms in which God is saying, 
go across, you know, learn with me, restful submission. Uh, know that I'm with you. Know that this is instructive and you'll get there. Know that this is a perspective I'm working with within you uh, and, 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 and that I'm with you. Even if it's hard, it's super hard, it's not easy. Verse 39 tells us uh, this, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He, he, so it says he awoke and rebuked the wind. And he was not woken up, interestingly, by the storm. He was woken up by the disciples, right? And, and he's responding to them calling him, right? Not, not the storm. And it's interesting to note, and I would point out, is that he's not particularly responding to their faith or their courage or whatever it is. He's responding simply because it's them calling him. And he's got a relationship with him, uh, with them. And, and it's their relationship with him and it's their identity as his disciples. That is what he's responding to. And he, so he responds and he rebukes the wind which is the word here used is like, um, like admonish. Um, like the word admonish for when, when Jesus rebuked dem demons, right? It's the same word on occasion. Or it can mean restrain, or it can mean um, like, like muzzling, like muzzle a dog, muzzle, rebuke. And so Jesus, he wakes up and he rebukes the wind and he says to the sea, peace be still. And uh, then the wind ceased, ceased, and there was a great calm, right? Uh, I, I know whenever my kids cry out for help, right, in the house or uh, if I'm nearby, uh, and, and when it's one of them or both, uh, my response would be like, you know, like all there, like, oh, what's wrong? You know, I'll just rush over and I'll respond. Is it because I'm, uh, you know, it's like I already know what the problem is and I'm going to fix it, like, like, oh, I'm going to make it all better? Sometimes it's not. It's just I'm rushing so that I can be there with them uh, and I can go and find out and then I'm there with them experiencing whatever they're feeling. Uh, so on occasion, I'll give example. Uh, when one of the kids might have a nightmare uh, at night, right? Um, I can't undo the nightmare. I, I can't, uh, uh, you know, like uh, erase the memory uh, from, from their brain. But what I can do is I rush over and I'm there by the bedside uh, of, you know, my son or my daughter. And I'm just assuring that, hey, I hear you. I'm here. It's going to be okay. Right? And, and that's kind of a relationship and a trust uh, that's important in that instance, right? And that's kind of how uh, I'm picturing when the disciples are, are although, although their tone is more like, hey, why don't you, don't you care? We're dying, right? But Jesus is responding because his heart for them is, hey, it's, it's all right, I'm here, right? And then after that, there is a great calm. It didn't take hours for this storm to subside, but immediately, instantly, uh, the storm subsided. And, and, and it's not always, again, like I, I shared, uh, it's not about how this Jesus is able to remove the storm. Because sometimes that storm is a prolonged one in our lives, isn't it? 
It's not like uh, cry once and, you know, Jesus fixes the storm and then that's it and then never. And sometimes certain things kind of trigger again and the similar storm comes raging or it's a new storm or it like, kind of transitions into like a related storm, whatever it is. It's not always about the storm being removed or everything's okay, but there is this instructive process, this perspective change that brings about an internal strength within us to know Jesus, you care. Jesus, you're with me. And so it's like Psalm 131 that says, you know, uh, be quieted like a child that is weaned, right? There is this sense of, um, I'm going to trust God's provision and His providential care over me, right? Or Isaiah 30, 15 that says, in quietness and trust is your strength. May there be an internal strength when we go through storms like this that we don't expect, uh, that we have no control over whatsoever. In verse 40, uh, the passage goes on to say, He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Why are you afraid? It's interesting to observe that at this point, the storm has already been calmed. I'm going to just emphasize that. Like he says, why are you afraid? He's not saying, why were you afraid? Why, uh, you know, why were you without faith? He's saying, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And in the, in the Passion Translation, it says, haven't you learned to trust yet? And I think this really is a question that we would find ourselves asking also uh, on occasion. Not just, hey, God, don't you care, right? But why am I so afraid? Why do I feel I'm so faithless? And it's okay. And it's okay to cry uh, like a child to a parent. Help, you know. Cry out, I'm in trouble. Don't you care? Can't you help me? I'm learning. I'm learning to be not afraid, but trust. And in verse 41, it tells us they were filled with great fear. Interesting, right? So they were afraid of the storm. But here in verse 1, they're filled with great fear and said to one another, and in some versions is in amazement, in awe. So this fear is not a debilitating fear, not the same. But then they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Kind of like just now in chapter 1, verse 27, when I read, uh, where they say, wow, you know, who is this? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Right here they're saying, wow, who is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. They were filled with great fear. Who then is this? You know, I think the disciples themselves needed to again experience that. And They've heard Jesus' teachings. They've seen Him heal the sick many times over, uh, cast out demons and teach, you know, profound, uh, life-changing, godly words and teachings and messages. But they needed to experience this storm. It was instructive for them to again, again, uh, broaden and deepen their perspective, their knowledge, their experiential knowledge that Jesus is Lord, the Lordship of Jesus. You know, we've been looking through Colossians, many of us in our life groups, right? And 
perhaps uh, deeper in our own Bible study as well. In Colossians, a huge a chunk of you know the 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 base, the very fun, fundamental truth, uh, even in the first couple of chapters, is the supremacy of Christ. Is is the all sufficiency of Jesus? Right, He is Lord over all creation, over all things. In Him, all things are held together. In Him are all things. Uh, it, the beginning and the end. And so we're reminded then that we need to know that Jesus is Lord. And I'm saying to us today, this is nothing new. This is just a, a reminder to us, hey, Jesus is our Lord. He is all sufficient and He is able and He is sovereign over all of creation. And in this time, and I'm not just talking about this time of, you know, pandemic and navigating life in this current situation we find ourselves in globally as well as locally. But beyond that, like, God is stretching His people. God is stretching the church uh, universal to be those who go across to the other side in so many ways, in the ways that we... Uh, engage with the world in the ways that we engage with uh, the lessons that we learn in life, the way that we integrate our faith with all other aspects, right? What is God calling us to? He's calling us to trust that His Word is true, to trust in His promises. Let us go across to the other side and to trust His instruction, His process, His timing, His ways, and His purposes. I was just thinking that even as we enter this Advent season, well, we've entered already, uh, it's Advent season uh, even since past, uh, I mean last week. Advent is a time as we move towards Christmas where we, well, the name Advent, Advent comes like, you know, to mean to come, like, oh, you know, in reference to the coming of Jesus or the second coming of Jesus. So in this season of Advent, as we move towards uh, um, celebrating Christmas, uh, and, and remembering that Jesus came and He's coming again, we are reminded that we have hope in God's promise, right? That's Advent. We are reminded that we are all waiting on God. Uh, you know, all creation is waiting, groaning, as with, you know, groans of childbirth. We're waiting uh, uh, for the full uh, uh, consummation of all that God has in mind for all of creation, for all eternity. And so the re we are, Advent is a time we hope. Uh, we, we hope in God's promise. We're waiting on God and we are trusting in His sovereign timing uh, uh, for His eternal plan. It's restful trust and, and submission, really, to God's ways, purposes, and timing. Jesus says, let us go across to the other side. And I, re I, uh, I was just remembering, even as I was preparing to share this, there was one time when I went to um, visit some people in the hospital. And um, we were doing hospital like prayer ministry. And so we went to the bedside of this particular woman who, uh, she's an old lady, older lady, and she was um, terminally ill. And uh, we went there to pray for her. And I can't describe the atmosphere or, you know, the, the, the buzz in the room, you know, in her hospital room. But it was just, it was just a really thick atmosphere of 
faith, and, and I can't even describe it. Uh, we walked in, and it was just me and two other like, teammates. And we walked in, and we were just gonna, you know, uh, ask her, hello, auntie, you know, how are you, and, and pray for her. Um, but she ended up just, you know, really ministering to us and, and singing hymns and praise songs uh, and, and to, you know, minister to us. It was, it was incredible. And uh, I was like, you know, just kind of tearing and really moved by her faith. Um, and there was just so much grace in that room by her bedside um, as she was doing that. And, and I'm sharing that because um, I think something that I took away from that visit, and there were a couple other occasions similar, uh, but a different uh, like patient, than not the same lady, but that was the most memorable. And I share that because honestly, you know, so- sometimes, you know, and maybe as a pastor, I'm just going to be vulnerable, uh, and I have no problem uh, talking about uh, what I'm about to say, is that, you know, some people tend to think, oh, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm here to pray for you, so I need to be the one to minister to you. But, you know, it's so wonderful to know that every one of us goes through our own storms, right? And so this lady who is terminally ill on the hospital bed, so weak and frail and so sick, she's going through her own storm. She's not going through my storm. I'm not going through the storm she's going through. And there's just so much grace in allowing her to go through that storm with Jesus the way she did and the way that she ended up just ministering to people because she was just so entrusting her life to Jesus uh, the way that she was in her weakness. And, and I think is there so much uh, inspiration and lesson we can take from there is that when we, you know, even as a community, each one of us going through our own storms, expect to encounter storm after storm. And, and I say that not in a sadistic way. I just mean I think with diff, cha- there's never uh, an end to changes in our lives, right? There's always things that's changing, shifting. And in some ways, God is always challenging our hearts, right? Challenging us to be stretched, our faith to be stretched, our trust to be deepened uh, in Him. And in many ways, we are going to go through our own storms of different kinds at different times of our lives. And it's not long from one storm to the next, oftentimes. So in the season, are you going across through a storm with Jesus? What area of your life are you going across with Jesus? Like this, like we've heard today, like the disciples. In what way are you going across a storm with Jesus? Um, and what is He doing in your heart in this season? I think of how uh, when you know you hear of new like parents, not just moms, but especially moms, uh, when you hear a child's cry. And sometimes you're in a room full of people, and there's just like no way. Well, in this season, we're not usually in a room full of people, but imagine in your home, there's lots of noise going on. Uh, but just the slightest whimper that your baby gives up, or the slightest cry, uh, you know, whether you're using a baby monitor or not, is, is, is regardless. 
a parent, especially the mom, would jump at, at the faintest sound and like, oh, did you hear that? Did you hear a uh, baby crying? And I'd like to think and then encourage you that Jesus is like that in the same way. If you're in the storm and you're going across somewhere, just know that Jesus just wants you to know He's going through the storm with you, that you can put your hope in Him, that you can trust in His timing when He says, go across, you're going across. Uh, when He says He's with you, He is with you. He will see you through, He will provide for you, He will be there, and He will give you hope, He will strengthen you, He will restore, even it may be tiring, are hurtful, painful to go through that storm and it's difficult. He resources you and His resource and supply never runs out. He never runs dry. He's the shepherd that is good. He's the one that cares and He's the one that leads you through even the darkest valley. And that's Jesus in whom we can put our hope. And so before we take communion, again I draw us just again, just a brief few seconds. In what area in your life right now are you going across a storm with Jesus? Catch a hold of that area or the word or an impression or picture that God gives to you right now where you are. And just respond in your own way to Jesus with your own words, acknowledging that, yes, Jesus, I'm going across this storm in this area with you right now. Acknowledge that Jesus is with you. Acknowledge you're going through it with Him. In your own words. And as you go through that, and as you've acknowledged that in your own words, let me just close in prayer, uh, and then we'll move on to communion. Yeah. Father, we thank you for your word this morning that reminds us um, that you are our Lord Jesus in the storms of our lives. Uh, we acknowledge that we are not exempted from storms, uh, but that in the storms that you would have us go through, you're always there and you always respond and you always do what is needed to get us across to the other side. That we can trust in you, that you are trustworthy, that you are reliable and we can put our hope in you and that you will restore and strengthen us and see us through. And God, this morning as your people, we turn our eyes to you and we say our hope is in your promise and in your ways, in your purposes, and in your timing, not ours. And so teach us to trust, teach us to relinquish areas where we desire control over submission to you. Uh, uh, teach us to uh, receive grace uh, in times of need from you. Teach us to receive help teach us to uh, be strengthened from within, not uh, struggle or strive with our own willpower or determination or wits or experience, but simply trusting you like a child 
And so that's our prayer as a people this morning uh, and from each of our hearts. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.